session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolokwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dolokwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-4410555. I wanted to say thank you again to uh, my guest Monday night, Dr. Mitra Avari, who was uh, the author of the book of the week for last week. Um, which was Divine Balance, but she joined me on the show Monday night, and that show will be uploaded probably um, later tonight. So if you missed it, you can hear it again then. But thank you to her for joining me to discuss her very interesting book, Divine Balance. And the book for this week is How We Talk by N.J. Enfield. How We Talk, The Inner Workings of Conversation. And I've just started the book, but it's really interesting. Um, He talks about how usually when people have studied language, they've looked at all the words that we have used, but sometimes they don't, or very often they didn't look at how conversations naturally take place and how things like words like "Mm mm-hmm, huh, or "Uh uh-uh, these kinds of words are really not official words, but they happen so often in conversation that we need to study that to really understand what's happening in conversation. So it's a very interesting uh, book, at least it seems like it it is so far, and I'm very happy to read it and discuss it on next week's show, Monday night. I wanted to make another announcement for the seminars I'll be doing in Atlanta. So if you're in the Atlanta area, the weekend of August 10th through the 12th, I'll be doing three seminars. The first one will be Friday, August 10th, uh, 7 to 10 p.m. on dating and relationships. And then on Sunday, uh, one will be on success from 2 to 5 p.m. That's Sunday, August 12th. And on uh, Sunday, August 12th, that's 6 p.m., self-esteem and self-love. And they are all at the Persian Cultural Center of Atlanta. Uh, And tickets are already on sale at uh, the Kanun website, www.kanun.info. So if you're in the Atlanta area, hope to see you there August 10th and August 12th. I wanted to start off today talking about uh, an aspect of setting goals or trying to achieve a goal. Um, There is this kind of anonymous quote that I've seen lately that I I like. It says, um, one day or day one, meaning that you think about your goal and you say, well, one day maybe I'll achieve that or I'll get there. Or you can take it as today is day one. So just switching those words around and it's very different. And so I like uh, like that. And it made me think of something related to that because anyone who has tried to set a big goal, whether it's quitting something, starting something, losing weight, getting in shape, um, whatever it might be, you've probably been in that place where you think about it and you say, I really want to do this. And so starting tomorrow, I'm going to just hit the ground running and really achieve 
that goal and go for it and do everything I need to do. But we usually say starting tomorrow. And I've been there so many times myself um, in different types of goals, especially when it comes to, for example, fitness or weight loss, where you say, okay, today I can eat whatever I want or be lazy, but starting tomorrow, oh, it's going to be on and I'm going to be restricting what I eat and working out and doing everything right. But we always put it off till tomorrow. So the, the saying I came up with is make tomorrow day two, meaning don't wait to start tomorrow. You need to start now. It's very easy to put it off to tomorrow, but that's not a good way to start. Make today day one, make tomorrow day two. And the reason for this, there's a lot of reasons for this. One is uh, when I talked about the book, The Willpower Instinct, um, there was some interesting research that was talked about in that book on how we tend to think of our future self as much more capable than our current self. So you think, okay, today, you know, yeah, I didn't really work out this week, but oh, next week I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and go for a run every day before work. And then at night I'm going to do weights. I'm going to do this. And it just seems so easy to do that. So we give a lot of credit to our future self and think almost in some ways it's different from our current self. It's going to be more successful, uh, can work harder. It's going to be a lot easier for our future self to delay gratification and to do the harder thing in the moment. But it turns out that future self is just you again. And so if you are having trouble doing it now, it's probably going to be challenging to do it then. And if you think you can do it then, well, then start doing it now. But don't think there's this future you that's going to do everything so easily, delay gratification, work hard, not worry about um, what's going on and just do the right thing to achieve the goal. It's still going to be hard for you. So we can't fool ourselves into that. Also, in a way, this is like our mind and our body playing tricks on us. We're very good at tricking ourselves. And as a therapist, I mean, of course, I, I see myself doing it to myself if I'm able to catch myself. But you see people talking about what they're doing um, in very interesting ways to trick themselves. We're really good at that. And usually what we do is we're good at tricking ourselves to avoid present pain and to put it off for another time. So someone's in a relationship and they know they have to break up. Like, you know what, but his birthday is in three weeks. So I don't think it's right for us to break up now. So I'm going to wait till his birthday passes and then we'll see. And then the birthday comes like, you know what, but it's almost New Year's. And that's not a good time either to break up. I should probably wait till New Year's passes because, you know, that just makes sense. Okay, now New Year's pass. You know, it's almost Valentine's Day. And that's just really messed up to break up right before Valentine's Day. So let me wait a little bit more. So we keep pushing it back and back, not because really it's the wrong time to break up, but actually because we're, we're avoiding that pain. We're avoiding that either unpleasant conversation of breaking up. We're avoiding the guilt we might feel of breaking up or the feelings that come up or the loneliness we'll, we feel if we break up. Um, or we're going to, of course, miss that person and we don't want to be alone. So even when we know the right thing to do, we're very good at tricking ourselves into delaying the pain, delaying the difficulty, and trying to enjoy the now. It's almost like, uh, you know, there's that part of our brain, you know, that wants to just feel good in the moment. 
and it is very good at winning in these conversations. It's very good at tricking us. Uh, the same is true in addiction. You see people who are addicted and they say, you know what, it, it's a Saturday and it really feels good to, to go clean on a Monday anyway. So this weekend, I'm just going to really enjoy myself, just have one really good run and it's going to be the last time. So I should just really enjoy it because I'm never going to do this substance again. So I should really enjoy it because I, I have enjoyed it for so long and then that's going to be it. And then starting Monday, I'm never touching it again and it's going to be so easy. Again, that assumption that the future self somehow is just going to be this different person that no longer is addicted. But we even hurt ourselves more by that weekend going all out and using whatever it is even harder. And then, of course, that's actually going to make it harder to stop on Monday. But again, we are very good at tricking ourselves. And actually, addicts um, notoriously, and they'll talk about it when you uh, go to group meetings for addicts of how good you can be at tricking yourself um, about this. Oh, you know, I've had a really rough day, so it's okay. Or I've had a really great day. Maybe I should celebrate. And so we can do that. So make tomorrow day two. Don't wait till tomorrow to start because that's just one of your mind's ways of tricking yourself into um, not delaying gratification and getting for yourself instantly what you want. I talked uh, a couple weeks ago, I forgot which book it was, about uh, Ulysses' contract that sometimes we know that in the moment, or let me maybe say it another way, right now I know what will be good for me to do tomorrow, let's say, because I can use the logic and think long-term, think bigger picture, and not be caught up in the moment of what I'll be feeling then. So for example, when you say, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow at six in the morning, right now you think it's a good idea. You think about how good it'll be for your fitness. It'll give you energy. You'll feel good about it. So many good things. But you also know when your alarm goes off at six in the morning, there's going to be so much of your brain and body saying, go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. And that's what people do. They, they wake up and say, oh, you know, but sleep is so important too. So I should go back to sleep. That's more important for our health. And so because my today me knows that tomorrow me is not going to want to wake up, sometimes you come up with reasons or ways to prevent you from stopping yourself. So if let's say you're married, you say, hey, look, when my alarm goes off at six and you see me going to press snooze or turning it off, I want you to shake me or to just make sure I get out of bed. Or you can even dump water on me if you have to, to make sure I don't go back to sleep. So I'm giving you that right to make sure I don't break this contract to myself. I need outside support to make it happen. Because in that moment, it's very easy for us to break our own word with ourself. So we have to realize that it's very easy to plan for the future. So I say, in three months from now, can you wake up at 5 a.m. and go for a run? And you say, of course, I can do that. But then that day when it comes, it's going to be a lot harder than it seems right now in your head. So when we want to make a goal, we have to realize that starting tomorrow is not going to be easier than starting today. The pain is equal today as it is tomorrow. And not only that, if you're really going towards a goal that takes time, well, starting to today means you're starting one day earlier. You're even getting more of a head start. So we have to be aware of how good we are at tricking ourselves. And no matter who you think you are and how rational you think you are, you're still doing this all the time. And I hear a lot of people um, in therapy or just outside of the office when they're talking about how rational they are, but you hear the assumptions and the holes in their logic because it's not just logic. There's a lot of emotion there. So we have to know that, look, 
I'm not going to be able to always get it right. I'm going to be able to trick myself. And especially what we see is we always trick ourselves into doing the easy thing now, doing the painless thing now. It's not like you trick yourself into going for that run. Usually you trick yourself into saying, it's okay if I start tomorrow or what's the big deal or whatever else it might be. So make tomorrow day two, make tomorrow day two, whatever it is you want to achieve, whatever goal it is that you have, don't wait to start tomorrow, start today. Tomorrow will be the second day that you're working towards that goal. And of course, what can help you in achieving any goal is doing things like visualizing that goal. I'm not uh, very big on things like declaring it, or if you ask the universe, it's going to give it to you. The universe is not going to give you um, a new body. You have to do the work. Or the universe is not going to quit smoking for you. You have to do it. It is good to declare it to yourself and make that statement and make sure you want to do it. But you visualize it in that you remind yourself of how much you want that thing how much you know that even though it's going to be hard work, I'm going to work towards it because I want that so bad. And that's what you want to do is visualize it and then you're going to make it happen. The universe won't do it for you. It's all going to be up to you whether or not you achieve that goal. But again, the saying that I wanted to share with you today is make tomorrow day two. Make tomorrow the second day that you're going towards your goal. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delokwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello, Dr. Holakwi. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. And thank you for taking my sure. call. I appreciate it. So, um I'm calling in for my best friend. We were actually on a merged call, but she had a customer, and she unfortunately had to leave. Okay. Uh, I'm calling in for her son, but I'm going to give you a little bit about her life and lead up, but it's my main con- our main concern is her son. So she, my best friend got married off to her husband at the age of 15, and she had her son at 16. And uh, she comes from a Middle Eastern background. Uh so her age difference with her son is 16, mm-hmm. and uh, they flew into America, and her and her husband just had a very bland life, and she only stayed in this marriage because of the son. Her son was very successful growing up. Uh, he wanted to be- go into the medical industry, and he was a straight-A student all throughout high school, and he was very active in sports. Um so he turns 18, they move out of the state that they were in, and they move to a different state. The parents get divorced. All of a sudden, everything shatters in this kid's life, and the motivation goes negative zero. Um, my friend married two years after this divorce, and her ex-husband married immediately within weeks. Uh, the son lived with my best friend, and uh, he turned, I think, 20 or 22, and then he decided to move out. Uh, he's changed different studies in college, and he he's very, uh, like, he, he's, he's undetermined about what he wants to do. So he's changed between medical, and then he's gone into engineering. Um, How old is he now? now? He is now 30. Okay. But um, everybody thinks he's 28. Mm-hmm. 
my friend had another son with her second husband, and their age difference with the older son that we're talking about right now is 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and her her younger son is 39, about 20 years apart with her. And the two brothers have a very good communication. With the other with with the other uh, parent, the father had two other children at his second marriage, and um, the son has a lot of anger towards his father. So at this point, he's into real estate, but there's no motivation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends put out everything and anything that she could have, and she just recently purchased a house for him. Um, he, um, he, this is the main concern. This is where everything leads to. Her son has an issue with his height, a serious issue with his height. Um, he's not that short, but he's, he's, I think he's five, six or five, seven, but everything in his life reflects around his height. And, um, there have been my friend has shared with me, unfortunately, that she's walked into him in his room, hanging himself from weight mm. to stretch his body. And he went as far as flying out overseas to one of the European countries because someone out there um, told him that he could help him with his height maximum of two centimeters. He mm. put out over 20 grand to grow two centimeters, I believe. Um, he doesn't date anybody. He never has. He's never been in any relationship. And um, hmm. it, it brings us to where where she is right now. And at this point, she is really upset that he won't seek count. He won't seek any kind of counseling. Mm-hmm. And every time she tries to uh, talk to him or help him because of all the underlying anger that she's holding within herself they get into an argument she and has anger a, under she has underlying underlying anger she has underlying anger towards him because he won't he won't be flexible enough to seek help and um she's but, she's also okay. feeling guilty that she might have done something wrong. Well, yeah, I think that's that's the issue. You know, she's um, it's her, it's his life now. So, you know, he doesn't owe her something. Um, so that anger, I think, comes from the guilt of don't mess up because then that means I was a bi- bad mom, or it means I'm not doing, I didn't do a good job. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand it's it would be sad to see him not doing well and and maybe she would make her not feel good but that's the anger and we see it even with some as parents of younger kids too like they have some you know issue of biting their nails and they feel like well if my kid bites my nails it makes me look like a bad mom or dad so they get mad at the kid for biting their nails but you know the kid is suffering and is is uh you know going through some anxiety and some pain and they don't feel good about it either so clearly her son is not happy about his life um and i know he doesn't get help, so I understand you're right. He is responsible for it, but this is very complicated because I think, you know, she thinks that the way of helping him is by giving him everything he wants and needs. Like, I bought him a house, that means I'm helping him, but it could be hurting him because he needs to stand up on his own two feet. He needs to get more independent. So, necessarily just giving him what he wants 
it might be keeping him a kid. Like you said, people, you said 28, but maybe they think he's even younger in a way because of that. And the height, I'm sure, is an issue that he legitimately doesn't like or he cares about. But these kinds of things, it's not usually just about height. He thinks height is the issue. And if I just were taller, you know, I'd be happy and life would be good. And, you know, let's say girls would be attracted to me and I would have the life I want. But that's usually not the case. It's just a cover for other things underneath that are going on. So um, I wouldn't tell him he doesn't care about the height or say it's a defense, but just something to understand that we're dealing with obviously more than just height as the only issue. It's a cover for other things. Sometimes people think, oh, it's my nose. And if I just get my nose fixed and they get it fixed, then they still don't feel good about themselves because it wasn't really about the nose that, you know, what they're dealing with. So he has a lot of anger um, and we can understand that. I mean, he's had a pretty chaotic life. I don't know how old he was when he moved to the U.S., but then his parents got divorced and then they both got married and both had kids. Um, The parents' marriage was never good. And, you know, so he, he has gone through a lot. I'm not saying he shouldn't do anything to help himself now. But um, your friend, I hope, can understand that he's been through a lot and he's going to be angry at his mom and dad. I know you said he has a lot of anger towards dad, but he might be very angry with mom too. And so um, I think she has to understand that she cares about his success, of course, because she loves him and she cares about his life. But to feel like that somehow reflects on her or that he owes it to her, that's going to interfere with their relationship if he she feels like you have to go seek therapy because of me and because of everything I've sacrificed for you that's not the right approach and that's not even right he he hopefully will go for him and that's where I would approach it as I always say I always tell people don't don't tell the person they need help tell them they deserve help and so it's more for his mom than you but to try to connect with him at his pain if he seems unhappy most people say, oh, see, you're so, you know, so angry. Go get help. You need help. Rather than doing that, saying, you know, you, you seem very, you know, sad. I can see you're very hurt and I can understand. And hopefully she can even apologize to him for everything he's had to go through in his life. All the chaos, being an only child. Well, then he has half siblings, but he was an only child through most of that. Um, and saying, you know, I apologize for everything you've been through. And I think you deserve help. You, you know, me and your dad, we didn't do enough we made a lot of mistakes life wasn't good and of course for your friend it wasn't easy either she got married off at 15 and had a kid at 16 clearly you know there was a lot there she was just a kid herself Um, but if we're talking about the son you know recognizing that but if she approaches him with anger that's never going to motivate him or in you know get him on the right track getting angry at him she she doesn't approach him with anger okay what happens is that she holds all this within her, and then when she talks to him, it exhalates, escalates into uh-huh. some sort of a, you know, a little, you know, fight oh, there. Yeah. yeah. But he 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 himself has a lot of anger because mm-hmm. he. I've heard that he'll throw things or he'll destroy things, and it's not only the height. I it's I believe it's everything in general with his appearance. So for for example, just recently. Um, he's been sharing that he's interested in finding a mail-order bride, and she's disagreeing with that, and that has led into, you know, mm-hmm. their disagreements. So uh, because she knows that he'll get upset, she was thinking about writing him a letter 
and um, seeing if he would respond like that because he's not answering her phone calls and he's not talking to her. He's not answering texts. So when we spoke, and I've shared with her, I said, I really think you have to let him be at this point and allow him to be an adult. And, you know, you can only try to help him by talking to him but you can't force him into anything. But she, she would like him to seek some help. Mm-hmm. Well, what, which I can understand. He, need, he definitely does need help, but um, he's going to have to want it himself. We can't force him. And even if we do, he, you know, it won't help unless he wants to actually be there. I definitely agree that I would, I would hope he does seek help because he definitely uh, deserves that and will we'll have to go through a lot to, to get his life back on track for himself. But I want your friend has to, I think, realize that it's his life. And you're right. I think some space would be necessary. But even looking at how how she supports him, I'm not saying take it all away at once because that's not good and that's going to be too much for him to handle. But recognizing that it might be holding him back. It might be giving him a way of not having to apply himself. And he sounds he's probably depressed, at least living uh, you know if if, even if he doesn't have a full-on depressive diagnosis but he seems like he's very down on himself and his life and he doesn't seem very productive from what you described i don't know what he's doing as far as work and career goes but that he doesn't date and that he thinks his only chance at love or even just a marriage is to get a mail order bride of course that that tells us he's not in a good place he's not feeling good about himself as far as work goes what is he currently doing He's in the real estate field right now, okay. and he's stayed, I believe he's been doing that now for a little over two years, but there's no motivation to go get because mm-hmm. he's just not motivated at all. So with, with her, she has provided everything and anything within her power, and her son lived with them up until, I believe, just um, two, three years ago. He did fly out. He went to a different state. He lived on his own, and then... He wanted to come back home close to his mother, and she, he lived with them, but the stepfather is a really good stepfather to him, but on the other hand said, listen, I really think he needs to step up and you know, start his life on his own. So he did move out. He had a little time frame there, and he moved out, but she purchased him a house, and his only responsibilities are his utilities and to be motivated enough to go for it. But there's no motivation there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And he's always alone. He doesn't even have male friends. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, so there's obviously a lot of problems. He's very alone. He's, he seems like he really thinks low of himself. I don't know what his father was like and what his mom was like and how they treated him as kids. Uh, do you know much about that and what what how, what his, his childhood was like? His childhood was very good up until um, the parents moved and then they got divorced, like I said. Um, How old were they when he moved? How old was he, sorry, when they moved? Um, He was in his last year of high school, and those were her plans. She always knew she was going to stay in this marriage, get him through high school, and then she was going to get divorced. She really stayed in the marriage for him. And they had a very, even though the marriage was very bland, but they had a very calm marriage and it was just steady but 
she never had any love, like true passionate love for the husband. She was married off them blindly. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I don't want to say he had a bad childhood, but that sounds like a really bad marriage still. You know, just because I think a lot of people say, well, because there was no fighting, somehow it makes it a good marriage. That's one one aspect of a good marriage is that not that there's no fighting. Actually, there should be some. But let's say there's not explosive and ugly fights. That's good. But there needs to be love, too. That's a foundation of the of the house. So he grew up in a very cold home. Um, if there was no love between the parents and the mom had this plan of waiting till, you know, he's 18 and then we're going to move and all that, that. You know, maybe she thought she was making the best of the situation, but I wouldn't say he had such a great childhood um, because of that. Doesn't sound very great to me. Yeah, well, he knew that the parents are not on, you know, the the best terms, I believe. But like you said, there was no fighting and there was none of that going on in the house. And she's very close with him. Um, they they look like sisters and brothers when they stand next to each other. Well, um, they're close in age, but you said they're not very close. He doesn't even talk to her right now. Right now they don't, but in general, growing up, she was. Very, they were very close, the mother and him. Yeah, but, but maybe, but father, I'm, but it might maybe too close is what I would be concerned about. And if she had very little relationship with the husband, then even more, it's likely she was too close to him. Um, so it's not, you know, again, these things are not black and white. That closeness is all good. If he, they were too close, that's not necessarily good. It didn't give him the space to be his own person. And they were very close in age. So, yeah, they could have been more like brother and sister. So I don't know all the details, and you probably don't either know as all the details, obviously. But, um, you know, we, we have to think of those things. And even when the mom says, oh, he had such a great childhood up to 17, it could mean she's not realizing that it wasn't so good or easy. It might have been good on some variables, but it doesn't mean it was an easy childhood. When you have, you know, his mom's was one foot out the door, even though she wasn't, but, you know, her whole plan was never really staying in that marriage. There isn't really that feeling of stability you get in that sense, that I'm just waiting till he turns this age and then I'm out. And then dad got married and mom got married. You know, where was his family? He had no sense. His fa he, he no longer had a family. They, they created two new families and he probably felt kind of left out. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Like yeah. when the parents got divorced, Every, everything just turned cold turkey on this young man. And, yeah. But he was very motivated, like I said, in his sports, and he was very active, and he was very successful in his studies. But it, it, since since she's not on the line, what can we... What She's going to listen to this, obviously, <laughs> later. Um, what would you suggest for her? How should she um, go about this to help him? And how can she face her anxiety? Because... Lately, like I, like she just shared with me, she's waking up with anxiety every night. She wakes up with cold sweats. She's just got a lot of fear about what he could possibly do. He, she's afraid he might throw himself out there and just bring over some girl from Russia or something. And she's afraid of that. And mm -hmm. he's not giving her the space to talk to her. And she, I, she, she, she doesn't want him to feel as though she's abandoning him. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, so that just on that last thing you said, this is what a lot of people will feel. You, you tell them, okay, you might be too close to him. Maybe you're giving him too much. They say, okay, so should I abandon him? It's like, no, there's, we're talking about a balance, finding you're going to give less, but it's not that you give nothing. We have to find the right balance. 
Um, so I think one thing she can definitely do is, okay, he's not willing to go to therapy. She can go to her own therapy if she hasn't already, because for multiple reasons, first of all, it seems like she really would benefit from it. Also, if he finds out that could encourage him to go in, in some way of modeling of showing that it's okay to go. Um, but she's dealing with a lot that's going to get in the way of her trying to even help him in any way when she has all this anxiety, which I think the anxiety is what's turning into anger obviously she's not really going to be able to have a good relationship with him because she has to recognize that she's also helped create this. I definitely, he's 30 years old. I give him responsibility for his life, but the pattern and dynamic that they have together, it's not just his fault. They have a bad relationship. It's not fair to say it's because of him just because she wants to talk to him. Doesn't mean it's just his fault. She's also created this relationship She's maybe held him back. It came from a loving place of wanting to take care of him, but she might have held him back in certain ways too. She might have been too smothering, and because of that, he didn't really create friends or get close to anyone else. Or she didn't recognize he's having a hard time making friends and get him help earlier. I mean, if he's not having any friends, what was happening? Why wasn't he in therapy earlier on? Or why wasn't this being addressed? And this is what I say when you know, and you say, oh, it was, it was great marriage, great childhood. Well, if he was having no friends, why weren't mom and dad like, really taking this seriously and try to help him out? You know, that's... During his childhood, he did have friends. And okay. um, I actually lived right next door to them. And he always, his house was always the basketball court of the neighborhood. And everybody was always over at their house. He, ha he never had any of these issues, mm -hmm. no social life issues whatsoever, up until the parents got divorced. So all of this all of a sudden came on screen after the divorce. Yeah, and it also sounds like, you know, after the divorce, the parents kind of went to live their own lives and they forgot about him to an extent. And it, it, It's know. like that with the father okay. um, because he moved out of state and he's miles away from him. But with the mother, she really kept him. And she, when she even got married, she had her, you know, her adult son living with her for years and supported him in every sure aspect. which is good but you know it's still it's still hard for a kid when there's the new kids are born you know that's always going to be tough even if he was at that point a lot older it's still not going to be easy for him that now mom is loving this new kid you know and and he's mad at dad too obviously and sometimes because dad is not there his mom might get some of the anger that is directed towards dad too unfortunately so that happens a lot when the kid really only has one place to as an outlet they'll sometimes project the anger or dump the anger from someone else onto the person who's available so she has to be ready for that but i would i would definitely suggest she goes to her own therapy to help her in just dealing with everything to work through all the issues that she's had related to this and just in general and it'll also help her with him and then trying to encourage him but he you know we can't force him to go in but i would want the emphasis to be on em looking at his pain again not that he's being you know this or he's being that or he's not trying hard enough or we gave him everything but realizing that he's in a lot of pain right now we know he's not happy the way you're describing his life and we want to connect him at that level but if she's getting angry with him or upset with him or putting pressure on him it's probably not going to help so i hope she'll go to her own therapy and yeah she has to give him some space she should still make it very clear that she wants to communicate with him. But also, she has to be aware of maybe the ways she communicates with him. Again, you know, if I was talking to her, I can get a better idea of that. It, it might be adding more anxiety to him. If you're saying she's so anxious, it's impossible for her not to be adding anxiety when she has a conversation with him. 
So parents will say, I want to talk to my kid about how they're doing. And they say, hey, are you working? Are you going? What's happening? Did they do? And then the person is like, okay, now you're just stressing me out. I don't want to talk to you. So she might think I'm this support for him and I make it so easy for him to talk, but maybe she doesn't. So it's not about sure, blame. It's not about blame, but it's about, I was just going to say, it's not about blame. It's about uh, contribution, understanding that she's also contributed to the, definitely to not just his issues, but especially to the dynamics that she has with him. But to just say, well, he doesn't talk to me because it's his fault. That's not really looking at the whole picture. And that's not likely going to lead to things getting better. Do you think she should reach out to him at this point that he, he's put her on, you know, on mute, like not responding to any... It, it's hard to say without, you know, knowing all the details. If she does reach out, she should also maybe think of reaching out in a different way. Maybe reaching out more with an apology than um, some kind of demand or request. And even that, you know, I don't know. It would be nice to talk to her to get a feel for her emotionally. Because some parents, they can come on so strong. Even when they apologize, it stresses the person out. You don't know how sorry I am. I'm the most sorry. You can, and then they, whatever, and they just go crazy about the apology. And the person just like freaks out and doesn't want to talk to them. And it makes them more afraid. So just whatever she does, reach out with care and love, but not with too much emotion. Because that's probably going to stress him out more than... Uh, make him come towards her and it's, it's hard to we can't make someone do anything and you know, i don't have uh, i wish i did have you know some magic formula that he would then talk with her um but she should show him that he's she's there for him but you know that they she wants to see a change in their relationship and maybe even acknowledge you know i've done a lot in this relationship that um i realize are mistakes or that i could have done better and i hope we can create a better relationship together something along those lines not about you know, she wants to help him or she needs to help him. Wouldn't make him just the focus, make their relationship more the focus uh, rather than, you know, him being the problem. Okay. I hope she can I, call herself sometime because it'll be, that'll be a very different was. conversation, but I appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Dr. Holakwe. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Have a great day. As well. Bye-bye. Right, Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for calling. I have a question about... Um, thanks again. Um, it's about my seven years old who... She's turning eight this November. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Some, sometimes is that she... Uh, misbehaves and I really even though that I listen to you and your um, father and I listen and I mean I do so much research mm-hmm. um, of what to do sometimes I really can't don't know what to do with her misbehavior um, if she only sometimes if she only some sure i'm not sure if you're hearing me because like i I, there's a little delay but you know if she only sometimes misbehaves then you're that's great so you know a a seven-year-old is going to quote unquote misbehave sometimes i do want to hear what she's doing but 
uh, just hearing that part at the beginning, you know, that's fine. And it, it, just to make a comment on that, people sometimes will say, oh, this four-year-old was so good, the whole dinner party, he just sat in a chair and didn't move. And that's actually not a healthy thing for a four-year-old. A four-year-old's supposed to play and run around and, and be uh, trying inquisitive and wanting to learn. So sometimes what is maybe harder as a parent, because yes, if a kid just sits still in a way, it's easier. But we sometimes think that means they're a better kid or a healthier kid. But really a healthy young child is supposed to misbehave and sometimes push rules, depending on how much we're talking about. But let me know what she does that uh, that, that you're considering the, the misbehavior. Sure. Thanks so much for the explanation <laughs> at the beginning. I feel like that as well. Okay. Um, but still, even though that I give her so much room, um, and if she really, like, say things that hurt people, mm. um, and she says it in a mean way. Mm-hmm. It's really mean bothers people, including myself. Um, and and uh, so I'm just going to give you an example. Sure. I'm sure that uh, if you want a more explanation, yes, I please. can give you yeah. more. But um, it's like, sure, one example is like when I'm asking her to leave her tablet alone and uh, we go to a water park and for play or we go for a nature walk or whatever, to take her out and her brother out. Um, she is like, she's always unhappy and she wants more time on it. And I have to give her 10 more minutes, five more minutes to finish that episode. And she still goes to the next episode and we are waiting for her. Mm-hmm. In in the end, I have to take it away from her. And then she comes up with bad words like... Well, don't oh, say if they're, if they're very bad words... Face. Okay. Okay. If they're if it's actually profanity, make sure you don't say it on the air. But um, uh, yes. But so she, I didn't hear what she said. But I just wanted to stop you before if it was profanity, not to say it on the air because we can't play that. But what what is it that she says if it's appropriate for the air? Uh, I don't know. I was I already said that, but it's um, it's she says she um, she says she told me like yesterday. She told me moose face. Oh, moose face. Okay, that's yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to bleep that out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. I know she was seven going on eight, but just wanted to make sure the words were okay. Okay. So she says, yeah, she's angry and she says something mean and she's trying to be hurtful and and to her maybe moose face sounds even meaner and she's really yeah. trying to hurt you. Okay. Yeah. So she's trying to. She's getting angry. Um, yeah. By the way, you said she has a brother. How old is the brother? Brother is thirteen months old. Now. Oh, okay. So a baby, baby, baby brother. Okay, and that's the only yes. other child? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, she's, got a, she's got a stepfather. Uh, her father passed away She was hmm. when she was three and a half years old. Hmm. And I got married again. And uh, he, she, 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 she does the same thing to, to her stepfather as well. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, I know you're, my, you're not my real father anyway, or, oh, I knew that you didn't love me anyway, mm. or things like that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're... we're so, you, I mean, yeah. as much as we try to tell her that we love you, and but this is not okay, what you're doing is not okay, she's just turning it around every time. And like the other time, um, 
I don't know why, but she told uh, her friends that, oh, no offense, but your mom is so short. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like so shocked. Why Why are you saying this words to people? Why are you trying to hurt people? You, and her mom is not actually so short. I told her, what if, how do you feel if someone tells you that your mom is fat or your dad is blah, blah, blah? And she said, oh, no, I don't feel okay. So I said, you don't, you don't have to say it then. You, why do you say make such a comment to people? Mm-hmm. It's, it's to me, it's, I was listening to your program again the other time that you were talking about borderlines that that may happen in early ages. And, well, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. The trauma happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she did have the trauma. Of, I was going to get into that. I, w- I, you know, I, I, I definitely don't want you to get worried that, oh, she's on the path or she has some borderline tendencies because of what she's saying. What you've described is not so extreme. It's impolite to say those things. Maybe someone says was disrespectful, even like if she seems like she wants to do that, but she's getting angry when she's interacting with you and you're having a power struggle with her, which we can talk about. But I don't want you to jump to that conclusion yet that because she's told her friend that her mom is short, that means she has borderline personality disorder. We definitely don't want to jump there. And I say that because I don't want you to then, first of all, have all that anxiety, which will spill over onto your kids. And secondly, try to control her for not going down this path, which will make things worse. So I wouldn't go there at all. What you've told me is not so alarming. you want me to to take that thought away? Yeah, if you can, just to, you know, if I can reassure you. (laughs) I mean, thoughts are, unfortunately, it's not something that we can just, you know, cut and remove and throw in the, you know, the trash can of like a computer and it goes away. But if you can, you know, if I can reassure you that to me that doesn't sound like what you've told me so far is not something that I'm really alarmed about. Um, Calling you moose face. You know, kids will say, I hate you. You know, all this stuff, even in like great situations. So um, I wouldn't think of those kinds of things. But yeah, your child... I was going to say, your child has gone through a lot. You know, I mean, losing her father... That's okay. Losing her father at three and a half, that's a huge, huge trauma. Um, and then you getting remarried is has its own level of trauma relationally, and then now a new child. So she's been through a lot. You know, we have to understand that too, that she might have a lot of anger yes. inside of her. She might be dealing with, with a lot of big feelings that she doesn't know what to what to do or how to handle. So we have to remember that. I mean, I, I my heart yes. was breaking. I mean, you went through a lot, obviously, too, but for this little seven-year-old having to lose her father at three and a half must have been so shocking and painful and she could not even probably really process all of that and is still dealing with it. And then you got remarried and then now there's a new baby brother that that's a lot to deal with. So we have to, we have to remember that, that this is where your daughter is coming from and this is what she's had to deal with. Now we got to a commercial break, but I definitely want to continue with you. So hold on the line and we'll talk some more after the break. Okay. Sure. Okay. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Deluc. We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hammer, are you there? I heard the baby first. I was going to say you sound a lot younger now. Okay. That's the. Th- I'm assuming that's the 13-month-old. He's 13 months old. Yes. I, okay. 
there. I'm glad he got to say hello too. Okay, so uh, before the break, though, we were talking about. Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. That's okay. I didn't say much yet. Don't. <laughs> we were talking about your seven-year-old daughter, um, and how you you were concerned about her misbehaving sometimes, but especially it seems like in the form of saying things that are impolite, um, either whether it's to you or you, you shared yeah. one instance of uh, talking about one of her friends' moms. Um, so I. So what is there anything else, by the way, because I, I didn't want to I wanted to let you finish if there's more things you were concerned about regarding her behavior. Yes, it's been, there is one more thing. that um, She uses this word, uh, as you were telling is uh, talking about in your borderline personality uh, program that um, I hate you. Um, <laughs> don't leave me. Hmm. She uses that. And. Like, even when I'm putting her in sleep, I will still go to her bed and I lay down with her half an hour or more. And she still wants more and more. Mm. And then when I leave, she says, oh, I hate, I hate you. Or when she does something where she, again, she does something, I say, um, okay, then it's time to go. It's for me. You have to sleep. She says, oh, I hate you. Don't leave me. You mm -hmm. can't go. And I can but see, I yeah. You hate me. I, that's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I can see how because she, you know, in that statement she verbatim is saying the title of a book that's about borderline personality disorder. I hate you. Don't leave me. Um, so I can see how that scares okay. you. Um, but we want to try to understand what she's going through, and it's difficult. Of course, like I said, uh, I was thinking about her. But I, I can only imagine how hard it was for you also to lo lose your husband at the time, having a young child. And, and then you've had, you know, you're trying to get your life back together or start a new family. But I'm sure it's been challenging for you, too. And then so to see your daughter going through these things is probably not easy. Um, and she seems like she's, of course, very hurt. We have to be aware that, yes, I, I didn't want to alarm you, but she did have a very big abandonment of her by her father of course not you know he had no control over it but through his death she of course felt very abandoned at a young age so we have to be aware that she might have that abandonment issue or it's very likely she will and yes borderline personality disorder does have a big theme of abandonment in it but it doesn't mean that if you have an issue with abandonment you have to be uh, or have to have borderline personality disorder so again i don't want you to jump there it, i can't tell you she won't have it but i definitely wouldn't say that from what you've told me, she for sure will have it. Because again, none of her behavior seems that extreme. I'm sure hearing her say, I hate you, is not pleasant for you. But that's not surprising. Most kids at some point in their life will say that. Maybe sometimes when they're teenagers, it'll happen more. But we have to understand she's she had to deal with things that even an adult can't really deal with. And so she hasn't been able to process a lot of those emotions from what happened. How how much after her father's death did you get remarried? Two years. Two years. Okay. That that's a, a fair amount of time, but still we have to recognize that most of the time people don't really process what's happened. And especially as a three and a half year old, it was hard for her to even really verbalize or understand what was going on. So she's going to likely have a lot of issues from that. As an overall uh, issue uh, or recommendation, I would recommend if she hasn't already that she goes to therapy and does play therapy with someone who um, 
specializes in working with kids, especially if they have experience with grief, even better. But uh, I, I think it would be good for her to go to play therapy. Uh, that would be something I would definitely recommend. She has she has gone. She she has gone through uh, couples uh, when when she when we first uh, lost my my past husband. Mm-hmm. We both went to play therapy, which was grief, for, especially for grief and especially for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really accepted it. And the lady said, I don't see a reason for her to come again here because uh, she knows what happened. And uh, she has accepted it, that he's not coming back and all that. And mm-hmm. then uh, last okay. year again, we went to um, to see a psychologist uh, again for her which was more, more she she had a psychology degree from iran but she she was a counselor here mm-hmm. in canada and she was kind of um, not happy going there every time i i was talking more and the, the, the doctor was talking more than her mm-hmm. well that's we don't want that and i would want yeah and play therapy with you and her together could possibly be good but at her age talk therapy is not really appropriate um it wouldn't make sense especially even a year ago so i think what could be good for her is have play therapy herself her and just the the therapist so that's something i would think about and she has to like the therapist uh, Mm -hmm. it has to be a match it's not just she liked her but okay yeah it's not like i know but it's like they they have to they have to accept each other. Is yes. That's what you mean? Like, yes. I mean, especially she has to feel, your daughter yes. has to so feel she, very comfortable. She kind of, is, is, the, is the thing with her is she kind of uh, is another person when we go to other people um, than me, my husband, and her. Sure. And I'm sure but she will be. That's she's fine. She's not herself. She well, I mean, she is herself. She's going, what she's going inside her. Yeah, I mean, it's a different aspect of herself is probably going to show. And that's why you want her to go for a while so that more she'll show those, you know, maybe what she thinks are ugly feelings to the therapist. And so that's why. And I'd want her to also have the space to be there alone because maybe you being there, she might be less comfortable to open up or brings out different aspects of her. So I, I think it's something to consider. And the most important thing is that your daughter likes the therapist and feels comfortable. So I, I think that is something that I would really look at because I'm glad you guys went a few years ago right after the, the death um, and the therapist felt that your daughter accepted and that's really good. But a grief like this is not something that, okay, she's she's moved on, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's just the, the damage is all gone. It's still there. And especially then getting remarried is going to open up some more wounds and then having a new kid is going to open up some other wounds. So that's why I think it's something definitely to consider mm-hmm. is going back. But then coming back to her. Now, one thing, I think something you did when she asked you or when she told you what she said to her um, friend about her friend's mom, you, you did a good job of trying to get her to see some empathy of imagining being in that person's shoes. But one thing I would say is to try not to, in some of what you said, it was almost like attacking her. Like, why would you say that? Why, why would you say something that hurts someone's feelings? And I'm not saying tell her she said something good and encourage her to do it more. You can say that. I don't think that that is nice. And you can say, how would you feel if? And then, you know, I would take it more of like, yeah, so maybe what do you think? 
about saying things like that. Ask her about what to do or not to do and see what she says. And maybe she'll say, you know, I, I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say things like that. But if we go into the why, usually why comes with judgment. You know, why has a very judgmental side of why are you doing this means you did something bad, you are bad. I would try to make it more of a conversation with her of what you did was good, that path, but I would take it in a, if you can, a little more gentler way of, okay, so what do you think happened? And, and I get it, you were shocked and maybe embarrassed um, with, you know, what, what happened, but you have to try to hold on to those feelings yourself and have a conversation with her that's going to be productive. Now, you know, in a way she's right. Your husband is not her dad. And so I know he plays the father role in the house and you have the other, you know, son and, you know, blended families like this. It is complicated, but we can understand where she's coming from when either he um, says something, she might not want to take it as real authority, or, you know, she might doubt that he loves her, or she even is afraid of losing him too. She might be afraid to get close to him. So it's easier to not be close with him. You know, these things are very complicated and it's more at an unconscious level, but she might be afraid to get close to your husband because well, I, I loved my dad and then he died and that was too painful. I can't go through that again. Or even this feeling of I don't want to replace him. There's so many things that are going on. So I say this, it's not really a solution, but for you to try to put yourself in her little shoes and recognize that it's really hard for her and she's dealing with some big things that are not easy to make sense of. And it's even scary, for example, to get close to your husband. And we have to be aware of that. And she doesn't want to say you're my dad because that 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 was her dad. You know, no one could ever replace that. So we want to be aware of what she's had to go through, you know, and what she is going through. Um, now, something about the she bounce. Never called, she never calls him dad. She doesn't. I mean, and but you know, and, I mean, but really, she's not. He's not her dad. And I wouldn't pressure her at all to say you have to call him That's dad. Right, but the thing is. At home, she calls him his first name, um, and then when when we are outside, she calls him dad. That's that's what scares me. I'm like, how can you just switch so quickly? Well, I think you know when I hear in what front you're. Of her classmates yeah. Or, well, because I think in front of her classmates, she wants to have a dad too. It hurts to be the only kid without a dad. So. She doesn't want to emphasize that in okay. front of the other kids. But then at home, I mean, when it's really just she still doesn't feel like calling him dad. It doesn't feel right to her. And so I, I wouldn't at all pressure her to call him dad. If she ever wants to, she can. If she wants to have another no, name I'm, for him. Yeah, I'm not. Good, good. If she wants to have another name for him, whether, that's, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Papa or Baba or something, that's fine. But if whatever it is she feels comfortable, I wouldn't say, well, you call him dad at school. Why can't you call him dad at home? Let's, for example, you know. That that's to me it sounds more like she's there and everyone's saying, Oh dad, come here, dad, come here and she wants to be able to say that too. She doesn't want to feel that first of all, that difference between the other kids and feel that emptiness there. So there she wants to have a dad too when the other kids are talking about their dad. And again, that's a reminder of the pain. There still is a hole missing in her heart. You know, she's she she will never have her dad again. We have to be aware of that pain that that doesn't just go away. It doesn't mean her life has to be bad or she has to be miserable. We have to be aware that that scar is going to still be there. Um, actually, Dr. Avari in her book that I was talking about on Monday, it was a very nice quote in the book. It said, our scars tell us what happened in our past, but they don't have to dictate our future. 
So she's gone through this and it's there, but it doesn't mean this, her life has to go a certain way because of it. But we have to be aware of this pain that is there. Now, one thing when it comes back to the boundaries of, uh, for example, she's on the, the tablet, the iPad, whatever it is, you know, you, you can set firm boundaries with her and you have to be firm with them. Um, and it seems like right now that's becoming an issue that you tell her, for example, five minutes, but it's not five minutes. And then so you create a power struggle where you say five minutes, but sometimes it can become 20 minutes. So she's going to keep pulling for more and more. And then it gets to the point where you then uh, become you use your authority to say, OK, now I'm just going to take it away from you. And as parents, you definitely are the authority when it comes to the home. There has to be some level of hierarchy, but we want to make it that. We very rarely use the authority to kind of get our way or to make something happen. We want to make it much more collaborative with the kid than to say, well, I'm a mom. So because that I can take this from you if I want that we want to use in very, very rare cases. But we want to create a relationship with them and communication with them that they understand things and they're with us. So if you tell her five minutes or even before she starts playing, saying, how long do you want to play? Or let me tell you the time we have to leave. And you have to sometimes be firm and she might not like it and she might even tell you, I hate you, but you want to keep the boundary and say, I understand you're frustrated. I know you're upset. You were having fun playing, but right now we have to go, we have to leave the house. And that's why it gave you that warning. And you keep doing that with her. But it seems like right now you have a power dynamic, power struggle with her. And that's always going to lead to more anger and more acting out and rebellious activity because she's trying to win that power over you and that's the way she can get powers to to rebel even if she doesn't want to play she'll keep playing or keep watching because she'll want to win so we don't want to make it a a battle in that way and we have to remember that she isn't supposed to just listen to you like that as a lot of parents say why doesn't my kid just listen to me they're not supposed to just listen to you because you said something we have to say things in a way that makes sense we have to work with them to let them know if you want to just have them listen to you yeah you can just grab it from her hand every time and use that authority, but that's not the way we want to approach that. So that's something else in the discussion you're talking about with the tablet that you say, okay, this many more minutes. So then you give her five more minutes and five more minutes. And you say, I gave you five more minutes, but how does she know that was the last five more minutes to you? Now you're fed up, but to her, it doesn't make sense necessarily. So that's where the boundaries become important. And sometimes we have to make sure we have to be a little bit firm with them to make sure the kid knows, okay, this is where the boundaries are. I understand you don't want to stop but right now it's time to stop and that's another thing in how i just said that that i would keep in mind always try to empathize with her first so even if she says i hate you you don't have to say i understand you hate me you can say i understand you're angry right now i can see that you're angry right now or that you get angry when i leave so and that could be very hard because when you hear her say i hate you it's hard not to at some level take it personally but you have to understand that's just she doesn't know how to handle all these feelings inside of her she actually loves you so much, that's why she doesn't want you to go. And she gets mad that you're leaving. And we know she does have some issues with abandonment and probably separation. So we have to anticipate that, that when we're saying goodnight, what you can try to do is create a, um, a goodbye routine with her. That's one thing you can do. So at night, what do we do? And have her come up with it. Say, you know, I thought it would be nice. Okay. This could sometimes help kids that have like separation anxiety and issues with goodbyes. But maybe it'll help with her and she'll say, you know, okay, I give you a hug, you give me a kiss on my forehead, and we wave goodbye, or we sing a little song together. So that could possibly help in making it a little bit easier. But I want you to remember that when she says, I hate you, um, don't take that as that's a genuine thing that she hates you. She's angry in that moment. And we know because of the 
the pain she's gone through, likely she has a lot of anger with, with, within her. So remember that. It's not that she hates you. It's not that she doesn't see good things you've done for her or, you know, this means she's going to hate you forever. It's just a feeling of anger. She doesn't know what to do. I mean, think about it. Grown-ups have fights and they say things they don't mean all the time. So we have to understand for a little kid trying to deal with these big feelings, it's going to be hard to make sense of things and sometimes she'll say things and maybe she says it because it gets a reaction out of you. And that's something you have to be aware of too, what, what's happening in those interactions. Um, so when she says, I hate you, don't leave me, we can, how do we hear that? We hear that as she's mad at you for going away because it hurts because she loves you so much. And it's so scary for her to be without you. And maybe it's so scary to be without you because she's afraid she's going to lose you too. So we want to hear what's underneath the words that she's saying, which is a lot of pain and hurt feelings. And we don't want her to ever feel like she's going to lose you in any way. And we want to make sure she feels that very strongly. Sure. I, I did say a lot there. I'm wondering what, can, what are... Can I ask you one more question? Yes, of course. Yes. I'm going to listen, I'm going to, listen to your podcast again. Mm -hmm. um, to just a couple of more times, I guess, <laughs> maybe more um, to remember them all. But may I ask you one more question? Sure. Please? Absolutely. Is that the, um, the, she, reads, she reads a lot of books. Uh, uh -huh. But by, by a lot, I really mean a lot. Mm -hmm. It's more and more um, comics books. And they are more, more comics books than uh, any other books. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, is that okay, or that's another sign of not being healthy? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, hearing that your kid reads, a, yeah, I mean, obviously, your kid reading a lot overall sounds like a good thing. My concern would be, again, we don't want to discourage her from reading, is that, and also the types of books you're describing, maybe she's, you know, trying to escape in a way so she can go into this magical world because her life has yeah, been painful. Yeah. So we have to just understand that. So it's not that we take that away because sometimes it can be okay as long as it's within limits. So I would make sure she still has her social life and the real life interactions are happening. Um, but that I would try to understand what she's reading and not that we should stop her from reading it. But to me, and even the idea of like a superhero sometimes... If that's what you mean by comic books, like superhero type of books? Mm, no, comic books like the ones that um, they, are, they are funny. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I sure. Yeah, like, no, no, they could be comics like, or comic strips, things like, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, when I hear, sometimes I see when children who are reading it a lot, like, you know, reading is good. But sometimes when it's so much, it's to escape. And it's a better escape than video games or other things. Um, so that part, at least it's a better one. But I would just be aware of that and make sure you talked about her, you know, she said something to her friend's mom. So, I mean, that's telling me she has some friends. I would make sure she maintains and has a good social life. And as long as she has that, then the reading itself obviously is not bad. But we want to make sure she doesn't get away from reality too much. Some of it kids do when they need and they use their imagination and all that's great but we want to make sure it's not into a place where they escape reality and someone who lost their father at three and a half and has had to deal with these other changes we can understand wanting to escape reality so that's the only thing i'd make sure of is that she has the social life and that balance there um but the reading itself you know we, we is not so it's not necessarily a bad thing 
sure. So even like she takes like 30 books, um, chapter books, um, science fiction and all that when we come out and even like in two, three days she finishes them all. She actually takes them from library and she finishes. You think it's only because she wants to escape life, but right now... Well, partially, I mean, she might also enjoy it and I don't want to make it all negative, like reading is, you know, bad. Obviously, it's great, but it's just, it could have that element to it. Maybe she really enjoys it. Maybe she'll become a writer, maybe, you know, so we don't want to take that away from her. And I think what you're about to say was that her life now is good, but the the pains she's went through are still there and for you maybe you know it's like there's a semblance of things back to normal but this wasn't the family she chose you know she had a mom and a dad and she had a family and now this is a very different situation and then a new baby comes along so it's in some ways it looks good on the surface we have to realize that it's it's not the same for you as it is for her But um, I'm trying, like, the, me and my husband, mostly me, we are trying for her to be, like, in the best situation that we can. Like, sure. she goes to a sports that she likes. Great, she good. spends, like, sleepovers. And she, even right now, she has a friend with her. Like, mostly she's, she's, she's doing what she, re- she really likes, which is, which is okay, and we can, we can afford. And... Most most of the time that our family is whatever we're doing is around what she likes. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, wherever but, we're going is if yes, there I, are kids and that or it's a place that she likes. You know, so I mean, uh, I right. don't know if I'm not saying they do that, but yeah. I know that what she went through. So let me just say this: It does. I'm not saying her life is bad or that you guys aren't doing everything. I don't know your husband. He could be the greatest man in the world, but he'll never be her father. And we have to realize that, and we have to accept that. That's and the right. which, and the pain she right. went through is is still a pain, even if it's you know things are good now, things are better. That's not something that's just going to go away. And we have to we have to. It doesn't mean life stops or that life has to be bad, but that we recognize that that is still there. Things being good now doesn't take away that pain, especially something that severe and significant at that age. So that's what I want you to have because I want you to not lose sight of that, that recognizing you can do everything right and she still might have this pain and unhappiness because it's not a reflection on you being a bad mom or not creating a good life for her. It's that this was a a traumatic pain and that traumatic pain means there's going to be some damage related to it. And we have to accept that, that you can give her everything right and she still might have that hole in her heart there. And we have to understand that. And it's not, uh, you know, something bad about her or bad about you. It's just the reality of the situation. So it's putting ourselves in her shoes of what she had to go through. And yes, wonderful. I hope you try to give her the best life you can. And it seems like you're trying to give her the balance of sports and friends and those things. That That's great. And we want to give her all of that. But it doesn't mean there still won't the be this. But sorry, doctor, that doesn't, she mostly doesn't, that's the thing I was going to say, she doesn't appreciate it. Yeah, well, she's still angry. She's still upset. I mean, whatever we do for her, yes. she doesn't it's because appreciate it's, yeah. any of them. Okay, and she might, you know, as seven-year-olds are, you know, you can talk about gratitude with them and, and see if it has impact, but... I don't expect her to be so uh, grateful for everything. She's still hurt and upset. Again, this is not the family she wanted. 
She didn't choose this. I didn't. I know you didn't choose for what happened to have happened either. But we have to just be aware of that, that she still has some anger about this family setup, that she's not going to be happy about it. And so we can't expect her to just be so thrilled because everything is so good now. It's still not good for her. It's still not what mm -hmm. she wants. You know, even though what she wants is not it possible. Have been better because, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, she's always going to want that. So we yeah. have to understand that she's going to be mad at the situation. She's going to be mad at the stepdad because, in a way, the, just the presence of the stepdad is a reminder that dad's not here anymore. You know, there's there's that too. It's it's very complicated. And we have to be aware that it's so many things at the same time, and that it's not just going to be okay. Well, life is good now, so you can't complain that dad's missing. That doesn't. That's not fair. Or life is good now. You have to tell us how grateful for you are, even though she's so devastated still by what happened. So you know, we we have to remember. I mean, I'm sure again, it was so hard for you, but imagine for a three and a half year old to try to process and deal with that and it's so unfair it was That's unfair right. to you it's not fair for myself yeah um, yeah you've had a lot yeah. of pain too but it's so unfair for a three and a half um, year old to lose their father i, I wish yes right that's true that's true yeah. um is, is is there one uh way is there a way that i say one one more thing and ask your opinion about it or you have another sure we have we you know i mean you let's just hold on you know we went actually over the break and i was going to wrap it up yeah. but let's talk after sure. the break okay okay all right thank you if you're listening to in session with dr fire delock we will be right back Back before the break, we were with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Uh, Radio Hamra, are you still there? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much of for reading me. I'm back. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, on, the, on the air again. Um, one, one more thing about her is I'm just going to ask you this and say bye to you and thank you very much. Is that when her father passed away, it was even though that it was expected because he was sick, but um, we were still shocked the way it happened. So um, she was asking me what, what happened to daddy. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I said, daddy went to, to God. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, that she's now, she, a lot of times has been, has told me that, um, Dying is not a very bad thing, mommy, you know, because um, we're going to go through that again. Hmm. That's really concerned me, too. I'm just, yeah. like, I'm just scared that if this thought comes to her, that if she dies, she goes to him and see him again, because she has told me that I can see daddy again if I die. Hmm. That's yeah. That's. And I don't really want to sure, do that. Too. That I could see how that would scare you, and we want to take that seriously and be aware of, you know, what she thinks about that. And, um, you know, you can even. Uh, these are very difficult conversations, and I, you know, some of it even involves people's religious beliefs or thoughts about life after death. So I don't want to tell you what you should exactly or shouldn't say, but, um, you you could say something along the lines of, "But Daddy wants you to live your whole life." To live your life you know death isn't such a bad thing but we live our life as long as we can and have those kinds of conversations but yes you want to be aware of this and if she ever says thoughts about shares anything about death or suicide um, you always want to take it seriously and by that i mean to, to have a conversation with her about it and what she's thinking and what she's feeling 
and give her that space to share. And I know it's a very scary thing. So you're very likely you're going to want to stop her from, you know, saying too much or saying that she wants to do something or is thinking of something, but give her that space. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean she will act on it, but I can see your concern. I, I would talk to her about that, that yes, that, that is true, but we're supposed to, you know, we live our life. Daddy wants to see you happy here. And, you know, daddy wants, I, although that I would be careful about the happy because then she feels like she's sad. She's letting him down, but daddy wants you to live your life and to, to have, and he's watching you and he wants you to live your life here. And if we make her life, if she's doing is better, okay, if I tell her that she's watching you. I think so. If you feel comfortable with that, I don't think that's... I never said that. Yeah, I think that's fine. And even you can talk to him. You know, I don't... If she wants to talk to him, she can. Whether it's like going to his grave or just talking to him, she can do that. You know, a lot of people... I think sometimes people think that means you're like being crazy to talk to someone or have this, but it's... A lot of people do that after a death. They have conversations with the person. Um, because there's a lot of things that were unsaid. And especially for her... Not only was a lot not un was left unsaid, but she couldn't even say a lot back then. And so there's going to be different aspects of her life she wishes she can share with him as she gets older. So her relationship with her dad doesn't have to end. And that's actually something I would want to mention. That that that's, doesn't end. Of course, her seeing him and uh, spending time with him face to face, that does end. But her relationship with him doesn't have to. In a way, she can still have that, of thinking about him, of wondering about him of one wishing he saw this um feeling that he's watching over her you know when she reaches different milestones that's that's maybe something she will have and a lot of people do experience that so you know i would talk to her and i wouldn't also force her to think something or believe something but you can have those conversations and and see what she thinks about it you know Oh, you, daddy could be watching and see what she says, because these things are obviously very abstract and we're, you know, not even really sure of what we're saying, but we're, you know, kind of saying something. So see how she responds to it. Does she like it, not like it? What does she say? Um, but if that conversation regarding death is not so bad because I get to go see daddy, you can say I, I would emphasize that, you know, he d would want you to live your life. And also for you to remember that if she does love her life and enjoy life enough, it, it's not that death will be death doesn't have to be scary but that she'll love life even more so we don't need to make her more afraid of death we have to make her love life even more and make that what she experiences by by by, by trying to do that isn't that uh, isn't that uh, forced for her because um, as i say if i'm trying to to please her in, a, in any any way that i can like for her to spend more time with her friends or watch TV or no, by her loving life by she really likes, uh, by loving life I don't mean that she only experiences pleasure is, you know it doesn't mean that she doesn't have to go to school because she has to love I mean, life I'm a, I think that's another personality disorder if someone or like gets so many good things then they can't really accept the bad things in life you know well, no, your, your daughter's gone through enough bad things i know but your daughter's got by what i'm saying make her love life i don't mean that again that you can even set boundaries with her so i'm not saying if she says i want to play on my tablet you let her play until three in the morning because she says i want to play loving life even when you love your life there's boundaries and there's structure to it in a good life a healthy life has some structure yes. it's not just having fun every moment this feels good right now so that's not what i mean by loving life doesn't mean uh, pure joy every moment, just pleasure. It means that 
create a life for her that she loves and help her in that process. So I don't mean, and that's something that maybe you have to be aware of too, is that you're, because you know how much pain she's been through, you're afraid to have her face something she doesn't like or set a boundary with her, or tell her she can't play anymore, you know, set those boundaries. And you need to do that, that she can't just do whatever she wants whenever she wants. We love her. You're going to love her and show her a lot of love and give her the best life possible. But it doesn't mean um, everything, every moment is just as she wants it. So I don't want you to go to that extreme either. That's not what I meant by help her love life. What I meant was we don't have to make her afraid of death so that she no longer thinks of death as a good thing. But we don't uh, we want to make her feel even better about her life. Because usually when someone is suicidal, it's not just because they think death is so great. It's because life is so painful and they don't want to live and she's obviously not there yet but that's what i mean is make her more happy in her life and love her life more rather than make her afraid of death but it's a tough situation it's there's a lot and we have to something that she enjoys her life yes yeah she loves her life enjoys her life and you know we help her in this process i think taking her to play therapy would be a good idea at this time Um, if she wants it of course we don't force her but bring it up to her and and just you have to keep an eye on her she went through something as you did but she went through something incredibly traumatic that is very difficult and will likely be with her her whole life mm-hmm. and so we have to we have to be aware of that yeah. okay sure thank you so much thank so you i'm for not call- changing that now that father is not with god or anything because that my thought was i come her okay so yeah. I mean that was, like I said that was my suggestion. Little, I had to tell you something. Yeah. I, that was my suggestion but you know I don't it's not like there's some blueprint to me that, about this but something I, I wouldn't try to scare her of death is what I was saying. Or make her feel like dad is in a bad place or dad you know you don't yeah, get okay. to see dad again. You know I wouldn't take that away from her but I would be aware of what she's thinking about it and okay. all of that. Yeah. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you much. for calling. I wish you all the best. And I mean, I feel so helpful. much, you know, love for that helpful. little, yeah, I feel so much love for your little girl and, you know, what she's had to go through. And, and I know you'll, uh, you know, you'll take good care of her and show that love for everyone. I think listening, probably their heart went out to her. So take good care of her. Best of luck to you. And thank you for calling. Sure, I will do my best. Sure. Yes, I know you, you know, will. Everything I, I have. In this I'm sure you'll give and her everything. Brother. Yes, Thank absolutely. You so Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Okay, going into our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Faye. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for calling. Um, I'm calling regarding my niece. Um, I had called you a few months ago, but she's 15 years old, second child of a three-girl um, you know, family. And uh, she's 15. She uh, was talking about suicide and not liking life. And um, her parents were talking to her. And the only um, thing she responded to was to come visit me. I'm in Northern California. And she came and I called you and you said, you know, she really does need therapy. And I can't really do much but be kind to her and, you know, try to see if she will open up to me. And she did. She came over here for about two weeks and spent some time with me, opened up to me about, you know, the issues she was having with her dad. And I talked to her a little bit. Dad, I talked to Dad also a little bit, and they both realized, you know, their mistakes. Tried to like see if they could go to therapy and also work on themselves. 
Okay. Um, they are the parents are divorced. Okay. And mom, mom and is American, and uh, so the dad, dad is your brother. Uh huh. Dad is my brother. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they went back to their home hometown and uh, started a therapy session. A couple of therapy sessions they went, and neither one liked it, and they just kind of. Life got busy, and she went back to school, and uh, was, you know, kind of, so. Just when you say they went to therapy, who went to therapy? Uh, they both did. Uh, they both went. Your together her like dad and herself. Um, yes, my dad. Uh, I mean, sorry, her dad, her, my brother, and okay. um, the, my niece. They went together. And they went together. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they just—I don't know. I guess they didn't like the therapist. The therapist kept talking about insurance and the charges and all that, but. Somehow they stopped going, and they were looking to go to another one. Uh, and then life got busy, and things got pushed back. And um, well, I'm going to stop you there for a second. And I know it's uh-huh. not you, but just because you know life gets busy, it does, and life is always going to be as busy as it's going to be. Um, but we we it's usually an excuse. Life got I, busy. I agree. And I, I say I that for, and the reason I say it is because people you say, Oh, you know, exercise would be good for you, I don't have the time. Or it'd be good to read more, I don't have the time. You know, we can make time an excuse and of course I understand I time is limited, but if something is so important, we're talking about your daughter's mental health and even right. life and death when she talks about things like suicide, there shouldn't be time for anything else but this in a way, you know. So I, um I, I'm I just saying that I know it's not you, but because people just I want people to remember that that when they tell themselves that Usually, time is just an excuse we tell ourselves to that we're not doing something. And going to therapy brings up a lot of anxiety. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable. Uh, we could be scared of it. Yes, it even costs money. That even could be an excuse too. But there's a lot going on. So I hope you know if you talk to your brother some more, that you know don't make time an excuse. This has to be the priority. And when you first start therapy, if insurance is involved and you know whatever, there's a lot of paperwork. Just like if you go see a doctor first, you sit in the waiting room and you do 45 minutes of paperwork before you see the doctor. So um, I hope they won't be discouraged by those things. And, and, and we'll go ahead. And if they didn't like that therapist, that's okay. But to keep yeah, looking okay. because the match is very important of having a you know, good match between therapist and client. Or if this case, the, they go together, the clients. But um, just I really hope you encourage him about that. But yes, uh, go ahead. Yes, I, I definitely do. I completely understand and agree with you. Um, so, But things have, was getting better a little bit. She was behaving a little bit. And dad was not yelling as much. And they trying to like get along. And... Again, things got, for some reason, started getting worse, and she started failing all her classes. So by the end of the school year, she failed all her classes. Every single one, she got an F. And uh, she was supposed to do summer school, and she went to summer school for a couple of weeks. And then when one week that she was with her mom, uh, mom allowed her not to go because she wasn't feeling well. And it was just a one-time thing. They said, if you don't show up for summer school, you're out. So she had to repeat first year of high school basically mm. but and again they're going back and forth dad is yelling mom says it's okay what's the big deal and mom is like totally passive everything mm-hmm. is okay what's the big deal deal with it kind of an attitude and uh, dad is and getting angry because he you know he doesn't want to see her daughter his daughter fail and wants to help but unfortunately he gets angry mm-hmm. and starts yelling which is not good either he yells at uh, the daughter but, or yells at the mom uh, daughter, actually, no. Daughter loves mom because mom allows her to do everything. No, I know, but wants. he yells at the daughter or he yells at the mom. Both. Oh, Both. he yells. Mo- okay. Mostly at the daughter, but sometimes over the phone with the mom, you know, saying, "Oh, what are you doing? I said this, and you said this," you know. 
But so one thing, huh? just to add something, you know, it's a very cliche statement, but it's cliche because there's so much truth to it. Co-parenting after a divorce is so crucial that, yes, right. you're not married together, but you're still the parents of these kids. And so you have to right. take that seriously and work together. There has to be some level of collaboration, cooperation, or, or else the kids really suffer a lot, which is what we're seeing here. So That's they're exactly approaching so. things very differently. And, and then, you know, he gets mad and he does need to control the anger. Yelling at the 15-year-old is definitely not going to help her any um, and not going to help the situation, especially if the mom is also part of the situation. So anyway, but just wanted to make that comment. Co-parenting, we hear it so much and it's thrown around, but it's so crucial. Even as married couple, really, you're co-parenting, but we use it especially in when there's a divorce because you want to make sure, although you're not living in the same home and maybe even you dislike each other now or whatever you feel about each other, you still have to work together for the kids to make sure the parenting is as consistent as, and as smooth as possible. Um, but yeah, it seemed like you wanted to add something else. They definitely do not do that. I mean, but because dad has, he works, he's very responsible, but he's, you know, angry, doesn't have time, he doesn't have patience, mom doesn't work, you know, she uh, works for a job for two months, then quits or she gets fired, then she's home with her boyfriend, boyfriend, you know, the writer, so they're both always home drinking, and I mean, she really is not a good role model whatsoever. I mean, my brother is also very angry, but at least, you know, he has some good qualities. Uh, but anyway, the, the well, I'm sure I'm we, sure the mom has some good qualities too. But nonetheless, I'm sure she we, does. So I'm sure she does. Okay, but we don't. I'm yeah, sure we don't have to get it. We and just to give you idea, we have about three four minutes. I just want to give you a heads up on that. But go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. Why well, I don't know if that would be enough. But that the problem is, last week she actually did something really bad. She went and uh, took a neighbor's, which was a kind of a friend of a friend, and uh, car. And she doesn't have any driving. Uh, skills. I mean, she's only 15, and she took the car. They with her friends. They went for a drive, and everybody drove. And when it was my niece's turn, she of course gets into an accident. She got into an accident and hit a parked car. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess the police showed up, but they didn't do any charges because the lady was kind of knew them and said, as long as you pay for the you know damages, we won't file um, any charges. Uh-huh. Um, so they caught you know. Anyway, he had to pay 5000 You know, they immediately call my dad. This was when she was with her mom. Then my dad was, I mean, her dad was at work. Um, and um, dad paid for about $5,000 to the lady for now, and we're still waiting for the estimate for the other, the parked car. But she is not only appreciative, she's defiant, she yells, she's, and now she does not want to live with him at all. She wants to live with her mom. And um, my brother is really worried because, again, mom drinks all the time, is not a responsible parent, allows them to do anything they want. They can, she even said that they could smoke, smoke pot as long as it's done at home, you know, and dad is just desperate. He does not yeah. know what to do. Well, you know, and, um, another, you know, we were talking about therapy before. Another approach to therapy would be for the mom and the dad to go to therapy together. A co-parenting therapy. They probably right. won't they like that. They had a session yesterday. My brother found a, a camp, or it's like a camp for girls that are troubled like this, and they have started this a week ago. And okay. the, um, she's going to the camp, uh, you know, from morning to the afternoon every single day. And yesterday they were supposed to have a group therapy with the mom and the you know sisters and my brother. And mom does not show up. Okay. Um, that, yeah, it's a tough. It's it's a tough. That is a tough situation. But I I hope you're 
your brother keeps working at that of trying to he has to work with her um unless she com- what i was going to ask you real mm-hmm. quick now that again we don't have that much time do you think it's a good idea to go for physical legal custody and you know take the girls away or should he because the girls do not want to live with their dad well that that's why i wouldn't say right. that yeah because of that if the kids wanted it i'd it'd be i'd be much more in favor of that than to force the kids um, away from their mom and with him if they don't want to be with him. And he has to look at, yes, maybe it seems like she's irresponsible in these ways, but why is it that the kids don't want to be with him? Now, sometimes kids prefer to be with the more permissive parent, even if it's more hurtful for them long term. That's the case. So that could be it. But there could be more to it than that. So, uh, you know, it is very quick, and I don't want to give a huge piece of advice like that, um, you know, in just a few seconds. But because the kids are so against it i think it's a little bit if the kids are actually in danger which maybe you feel like they are then that's a separate story but i wouldn't go against what the kids want and force them to live with him because then they're going to rebel even worse um mm-hmm. if you know you force them so i you know i do apologize that we're out of time i hope you can call back again and maybe even he would call back and we can talk about things a little mm-hmm. bit more but he's gonna have to find what a way to work with with him um i'll be on or- monday night at 8 p.m i'll be on again Okay, Monday night at 8 p.m. Yeah. Okay, I will see if I can call back or have okay. to call you look, directly. Okay, look forward to it. Nice talking. You have a great day. You too. Thank you Thank so you. much. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulakwi. Have a wonderful day.